0: hello everybody this is sean harwell you're listening to the never heard of a podcast this is a show where we talk about those movies that have fallen through those cracks that belong to us and you joined again today as always by craig moorhead craig how are you
1: i'm doing all right sean uh everything is good here by the microphone how are you doing
0: I'm good, man. It's back to school week for me and my household. And mm-hmm. uh, I know you guys are a little bit uh, later there. So, a couple more right. morsels of summer to squeeze and be squeezed.
1: Love squeezing morsels. I mean, that's really <laughs> what summer's all about, isn't it?
0: <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to fall already. We're going to wrap up this month of uh, Bogey and Bacall. And I'm excited about it.
1: Absolutely. I am too. I feel like we've, we've picked a lot of good stuff. You know, you and Brian did a lot of good work. Uh, over Mm -hmm. the summer as well thank you brian yeah thank you very much brian crane but i i am looking forward to getting into the fall kind of kind of going to school with our podcast you know what i mean interested to see what kind of stuff we have up our sleeves because i don't even know
0: i know and it's like that time of year where the trailers start coming out for the christmas releases and some cool looking stuff on the horizon Mm -hmm. it's a good time to to be a movie nerd Craig, why don't you tell people where else they can find us online should they choose to do so, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump
1: into today's movie. Sounds good to me, Sean. So where you can find us, well, online, you can find us uh, on Facebook, you can find us on Instagram, you can find us uh, on Twitter. Those are places where you can contact us directly. You can find us uh, at our website, neverheardpodcast.com. That's where you can find uh, all of our episodes you're Just sit there and binge them. Just binge them all day long. Call in sick, and you know, get the cat and a hot cup of tea. Your favorite Afghan.
0: Don't let the cat drink the tea.
1: Don't let the cat drink the tea. Yeah, I, f- I feel like we've been over that. Get your chocolates and your dog, but to keep them separate, there's. It's gonna. It's gonna. It's gonna take a little work on your uh, part. But, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, but it's gonna really pay off when you start listening. You, you'll find us on iTunes and on Stitcher and on Spotify. Really, if there's any place that you could leave a a nice review or perhaps subscribe, that would sure help us out. And maybe sit down with your family and have a serious discussion about why they aren't listening to our podcast. (laughs) How do you feel about that?
0: I think that's a good, like, yeah, set your kids straight right before they start school, you know, like, look, this year is you're stepping up, you're going up a grade, Right, uh, we got to institute a few changes. One of those is you're going to start listening to this podcast.
1: I, I don't I think that's a great idea.
0: I don't make them appreciate other things.
1: yeah, like like when they used to have freedom.
0: <laughs> yeah. well, speaking of freedom, Craig, you're a free man. Oh, free to watch what you want to watch. Yeah, how about you tell me what else you've watched lately, sir?
1: Oh, Sean, here we go. like the music you chose to uh lead into the what we watched stuff by the way we got
0: some funky beats yep
1: you do have some funky beats
0: i've never actually credited anybody that's done those (laughs) but uh there's
1: a site that has free
0: loops up and if you're one of the people that put those up thank you you know who you are
1: yeah you don't need you don't need a shout out now i'm in the middle of watching the second season of mind hunter on netflix
0: like literally right now
1: i am as we're do as we're recording i try not to pay attention to our actual podcast okay. i like to watch something
0: i was worried because i thought you were going to say you weren't paying attention to the show and i'm like i've seen some of the first season i think you kind of got to pay attention to what's oh, going on that have. show yeah
1: absolutely and i i love everything about it and for some reason i was thinking that the first season wasn't entirely directed by david fincher but maybe i'm wrong maybe i was thinking about house of cards yeah
0: I, i'm under the assumption that he did not direct the entire first season either
1: well while i am uh, i don't know lower informed about the first season than i should be so far the entire second season is directed by david fincher
0: no kidding okay yeah
1: i mean this is this is one of my favorite shows on tv man this is uh I love it. No one else in my family wants to watch it or is allowed to watch it. So I, I sit by myself and watch uh, <laughs> watch this show.
0: I need to catch up. I was excited to hear the subject of this season at least would revolve in some way around. I think the Atlanta.
1: Yeah, I'm just getting to that.
0: Yeah. Okay. And I, yeah. I listened to a podcast called Monster that was pretty good about that subject. Not the best podcast in the world, but the, pretty sure. good. If you're, if you're not a fan. as good as ours. I no. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's on my to-do list for sure. I'm glad. Let me know how, what you thought when you finish it.
1: I will, I will. So far, I'm really liking that. Awesome. Uh, I watched, uh, with the wife, I watched the fourth season of Veronica Mars. I'm a big fan of that that show, going back a pretty far away.
0: Still have never seen a single five-minute clip of that show.
1: Huh. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. It's really interesting how, yeah, how that one has kind of stayed small, but it has a, I guess, a fervent fan base. More fervent than me, because I... It's not like I ever wrote anybody and said, keep doing this. Yeah. But, I, I'm, but Somebody I'm happy did, that right? they do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Somebody definitely did. And it's a good season. It's interesting because like the first season, you know, it's like a it's like a teen noir private eye show. Right? right. So the first season is kind of the hook is that there's this girl. Her best friend has just been murdered. She was just date raped at a party. She is the daughter of the ex-sheriff who is now a PI, and she is going to find out who killed her friend because she doesn't kind of want to deal with the fact that she just got date-raped and doesn't know what happened. And there's, like, this huge load of drama right there at the very I mean, beginning.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty stacked deck.
1: Yeah, and, like, because cause when I went into it originally, I was like, oh, well, this is kind of like a teen soap opera show, but... Uh, you know, I like some of the people in it and the wife wants to watch it, so that'll be fun. And we'll be it'll be like our show. And I was immediately hooked on it. Nothing was quite as good as the first season, but now the 4th season what's cool is Sean. Yeah. Is that they've gone they've gone much harder edged with it. And it's actually set on Mars, right? And it's set on Mars. So here's it's a sci-fi show now. <laughs> no, but uh it kind of always had an interesting edge to it. It couldn't show everything about being that edgy in a way.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And uh, it's kind of nice that it was loosened up. But it also has some problems because there's... There have been some casting that was not good from the very beginning that has just kind of gotten worse as time went on. But, like, yeah. J.K. Simmons is in it and... Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Who else is in it? Like, the, yeah, it's... it's um, If you like Veronica Mars, anybody out there, and you haven't watched this fourth season, it's, it's really worth it. It's a very good season. Cool. And the last thing is I watched bumblebee from uh, last year
0: now i understand that to be a bit of a sleeper at least guilty pleasure if not out and out enjoyable movie what did you think
1: well that's the thing i i was somehow under the impression that i had heard from a lot of people that i know that like that was a good movie like that <laughs> as far as the transformers movies like that that's the good one
0: do people owe you an apology some there, there are
1: certain people okay. who at the very least i need to have a clarifying conversation okay because what you came right out and said it's kind of a guilty pleasure like i could understand that and if i had known that i probably wouldn't have sat down to watch it i thought it was going to be it's it's weird it's very very corny it's almost like a movie made for seven-year-olds that's huh. pg-13 okay so it's like there's tons of destruction, but like the humor in it is just dumb, and mm-hmm. and like the way the way it's it's just not. I didn't enjoy it. It's very corny. It felt kind of first drafty. The main character Haley Steinfeld, I think her name is, yeah, is great. Like and that's kind of what I was kind of excited about because she seemed so great in the trailers, and it just was like, man, that what a, what a good person to put in the front, and like almost everybody else in the cast is just like kind of weirdly miscast not not Uh, bad actors but just uh like this doesn't fit all the effects are amazing sure and then and then you cut to like some family drama scenes and it's like oh god this is let's get out of here (laughs) that bummed me out my my 10 year old loved it
0: sure so okay
1: yeah if, if you're getting it for 10 year olds then you're on the right track gotcha but that's my that's my takes on on things uh what about you sean what have you been doing
0: I got some good stuff in my uh, quill this week. I think, Craig. First one is Heaven and Earth, the Tom Oliver of the Jones movie? Stone. Yeah, yeah. nineteen
1: ninety. Have you seen that? I've never seen it. I, I
0: really was not, yeah, familiar with this movie at all. Yeah, you know, I understand it now to be the third in sort of his like Vietnam trilogy of Platoon, Born on the Fourth of July, and then this. Right. This being the one, I think the reason that most people don't maybe know about it is because it was. The story of a, a, a Vietnamese person, right, and their encounter, and so obviously, like the person they cast, who was great, and I'm not going to try to pronounce her name because, as we know, uh, I can't do that
1: out of respect.
0: Yeah, I really liked her performance, but she's just not a uh, you know, she's just not a household name. She's not a movie star, certainly not in '93 or or elsewhere. I don't know. It's interesting to watch it. Like, it's definitely overwrought. Like, there's no way Mm -hmm. around it. And especially, I think, you know, it feels that way more so maybe now than it would have at the time because there were a lot of movies that kind of felt like that, I think, in the sort of, like, drama world. But, I mean, there's just fantastic moments in it. Like, I kind of forget about how... I forget how good Oliver Stone is and also how kind of visual and, like, how much of a stylist he is. And, like, sometimes that style is just everything in the kitchen sink, right? You know, Natural Born Killers. And there's, like, hints of that in this, even in this thing, which is this very serious drama. And it's a long movie, but if you're going to see it, even just, like, curious about it, I'm assuming maybe you could find this clip on YouTube. There's a really great sequence where they come to america tommy lee jones and his vietnamese wife and that's not really spoiling anything and that whole section like i loved like the you know the Mm -hmm. early stages of that just seeing this woman in an american grocery store where you're like oh god yeah this would be really really weird where like suddenly it's just like no there's eight thousand cans of soup on the shelf right like anywhere else in in well not anywhere else in the world but a good healthy portion of the world would look at that as like, you've got to be kidding me. Like you can just walk in this place any day, any time of the day and buy one of 8,000 cans of soup. So I don't know. I was trying to think of other movies that were, I've like felt that and seen that sort of like outsider perspective of America and that culture shock. And uh, I thought they handled that really well. Yeah. Continuing my stint in the nineties. I watched Sense and Sensibility, the Ang Lee Emma Thompson. I love that movie. Dude. That movie is a masterpiece, I think. I mean, it is great.
1: It really is. It should be so dry and boring. It's not, like, it yeah. just should be, and it's, man, I, yeah, I love
0: it. Now, I think you talk about casting. Like, that movie, I think, is just perfectly casted, And a lot of the, like, supporting roles. Like, there's a woman that's hilarious in this movie. I don't remember her name, but she looked familiar to me, and that was because she plays the fat lady in the portrait in Gryffindor Tower in the Harry Potter movies. like, oh, yeah. You know, so, I mean, I'm sure yeah. she's a, like, really talented British actress, but, you know, I, don't, I just don't know. And, like, uh, Hugh Laurie was in there, which I didn't realize mm-hmm. is a very small, dry, Alan Rickman is freaking great.
1: Alan Rickman has, has probably the best part in the thing. He, he really just, does, yeah. Man.
0: He kills it, and he's yeah. so good. I, I heard a funny interview with uh, Hugh Grant about this movie. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And he was talking about how, you know, Ang Lee, uh, I think certainly at the time, and maybe his English was not that particularly great. Yeah. But he said he did a take, you know, and he was he was pretty nervous about that. It's still pretty early on in his career. And Ang Lee just was like, that was so boring. <laughs> And just like you know, no sense of irony about it or anything. And uh, right. he was just like, Oh, okay, like uh, that's maybe there's like a loss in translation, something here, but uh, because it's a very understated performance in a lot of ways, really, really good. I, I mean, yeah, just geez, Louise, that's is such a great story. I mean, the story just holds it really up, really is. Uh, anyway, moving on, also watched The Last Detail, so went to the 70s, yeah. Nicholson, Hal Ashby, uh, fantastic freaking movie, so man. Oh, god, uh, Dennis Quaid. Randy Quaid, yeah. sorry. I confused Randy McQuaid, Quaid, but yeah. Jesus, he's good in that movie. Perfect goofball character. Yeah. Uh, and then last but not least, Craig, and this is why you shouldn't feel too bad about the fact that I haven't watched Veronica Mars yet. Mm. I do recall you saying on this very podcast that you had watched Big Mouth, the animated show on Netflix. Yes. And loved it. And uh, oh. I'm not done with the first season, but 100 8 million percent on board with you. It is a terrific, <laughs> terrific thing that exists in this world. Yes. Incredibly funny, I think, and incredibly dirty. Yes. I was surprised to see. I think they're on their fourth or fifth season now. I don't, have you continued to watch it?
1: Uh, I have. We actually have some that, that still need to be watched because it, it, this was another co-watching show and yeah. we haven't had a lot of time to like sit down and watch stuff. But yeah, I mean, that that show kind of what has struck me about it is like like comedy at its best is hitting you with like truth that you don't really want to talk about or is just like, you know what I mean? And I mean, there's so much of that packed into like every episode. And it's and it's also done in in a way that has a lot of heart, Mm -hmm. but it's also like unimaginably like filthy. Yeah. (laughs) So. Right. yeah. Yeah. If that's your jam, like, you got to watch it. But, yeah, I I love that show. And
0: also, like, I do think it's really, really smart to do it animated. Like, I think it earns Mm -hmm. its animated stripes, you know, for a lot of different reasons. I mean, there's, like, imaginary characters and all that. Yeah. But then it's just, like... But I know there's a movie that's out right now or coming out, I think, called Good Boys. uh, Yeah, it came out. Yeah, yeah, Seth Rogen. Like, it is sort of like the R-rated movie about middle school boys. And that's exactly the sort of terrain that this show travels in and has a really I think excellent female point of view as well. And I don't know, like maybe that stuff is just easier to swallow in animation. I'm not trying to make any gross innuendo there, but uh <laughs> it's
1: really hard not to. Yeah. Just because, you know, you're not watching real
0: people. Like I don't know. It'll be yeah. interesting to see. Like uh Well
1: yeah, I mean it's it's all adults voicing the kids. Yeah. And so that that right there makes it a whole lot easier. And it's so
0: absurd. I mean yeah. That it's uh but God, yeah, Richard Kind is in there and like, yeah, man, oh, just yeah. That voice is killing. And I
1: mean, uh Maya Rudolph as as the hormone monster is <laughs> yes. is is kills just, me. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's so much good stuff in there.
0: Yeah. So I second Craig's long ago mentioned if you haven't started watching Big Mouth and you're a comedy fan at all, like you gotta see some of that show, I think. Yeah. All right, Craig. Well, let's talk about a movie you didn't watch. Um let's talk about
1: The Shootist The Shootist
0: No, you did watch it We both watched it We teed it up last week This is the 1976 I'm gonna call it a western Even though we'll get into that a little bit About sort of where it falls on that spectrum Perhaps And it was directed by Don Siegel Written by Miles Hood Swathout Based upon the novel of I believe his father Glendon Swathout Uh, And you can learn more about that In the tee-up
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's talk cast and crew again briefly. You've got John Wayne, Lauren Bacall, Little Ronnie Howard, who's a plays as an 18, 19-year-old in this movie maybe, maybe a little bit older. Yeah. James Stewart, Richard Boone, Harry Morgan, uh, John Carradine. There's, there's other people. Uh, Sheree North looked a little familiar to me. Scatman Crothers. There'll be some folks you'll probably recognize in this thing. And Craig. That's me. Let's do the synopsis one more time. Let's do it. A dying gunfighter spends his last days looking for a way to die with a minimum amount of pain and a maximum amount of dignity. That's a fair synopsis, I'd say. that is it. Let's do things a little differently today, shall we?
1: We're going to speak every word backwards. Is that what you're going to say? In reverse.
0: I couldn't possibly do that. I'm way too tired. Fair enough. What did you like about this movie? Let's start there.
1: Okay. What did I like about this movie?
0: And the fact that you had to ask yourself that maybe tells
1: me <laughs> that something. That made it sound like I hate this movie. No, um, that's interesting. Sh- should should I, should I shoot that question back at you first? It sounds like you're getting at something. No, I'm not. I'm really so not. I'm interested to see what you have to say.
0: Okay, you can shoot it back to me, us. I'm going to shoot
1: it sure back. By... Yeah, I am.
0: I like that central setup. I think that is intriguing yes. to take a, a gunfighter in his last days and plop him down in the first act of a movie and -hmm. tell him he's got cancer. There's something that feels really modern and somewhat subverting the typical Western genre just in that little detail, which is not only a little detail because it's completely significant to this guy's life. He's done some bad things, some things that he completely justifies at least to himself. But there's a trail of bodies behind him, right? Mm-hmm. What do you do with your last days when the doc tells you you've got, I think, about two months, two weeks? I can't remember. Right. There was a two involved. It wasn't two it was, years. Yeah, no it, it
1: was. It was definitely. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely short.
0: And so, what did you do? And especially at the time of this movie, which I think was in the late, no, it was like 1905, was it or 01? 01.
1: No, 01, yes. Yeah,
0: turn of century. And so, you know, you're not getting chemo. Right, you're not sitting in a hospital. What do you do?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I think that's a really cool premise for a movie. Well, no, I'm just gonna stick with what I like. I think that's a really cool premise for a movie, especially John yeah. Wayne's last movie. I like yeah. that setup. I think it would still work today. I mean, I could. I was thinking to myself, I was like. It's a bit of a shame that Unforgiven exists because this would be an awesome yeah. movie for Clint Eastwood to make as like his last like right. western, which he probably is not going to do. You right. know, I could see a modern version of this working just because of that setup.
1: Yes. And so I will now answer your question. Okay. I mean, I, I also like the setup. I mean, it's it's a very easy-to-grasp setup, and it really kind of lays out what's going to be happening in this movie pretty much. But more than that, I I kind of liked... Just the feel. I really like the feel of like 60s and 70s westerns. Mm-hmm. And so just that, just the the, the look of them in general, um, just honestly, just the setting was good enough for me to kind of pull me in. I, I, I don't watch a lot of westerns, but mm-hmm. generally, yeah, it, it like that kind of thing appeals to me a lot. So then seeing this guy, you know, seeing John Wayne, who at that time was, you know, had already been an incredibly famous Western star.
0: Oh, God, yeah. I mean, biggest movie star on the planet. Right. One year that we were talking about with uh, In a Lonely Place, I think, right? 1950. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, if if you asked in 1976, even, you know, even if he had kind of fallen from grace uh, movie-wise, and I'm not totally sure if he had, but, you know, if, if you could say he had, you would still say, like, who's the biggest Western movie star and you'd say John Wayne. Like Without John question. Wayne would be at the tip of your yeah. You know, I mean, you still tongue, say so. that.
0: Like there is he's not been supplanted by anyone since then, I don't think. No,
1: not yet. I mean I mean Clint Eastwood would be the only Western star you would think to put in a Western. Right. Yeah. So I mean that's that's also what I liked. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I liked the yeah, seeing him in this role brought low by a disease when, you know, normally he's gonna be like the the guy uh, you know, telling everybody what's what, which he still kind of is.
0: He definitely still is, but, uh, yeah. you know, you still get those moments where it's just like, nope, he knows he's dying. And I thought there was some good subtle moments of, like, him recognizing that and, like, dealing with that. Not being yeah. the John Wayne with a capital J-W the entire right. time, right?
1: Right. And I, I liked I liked the whole bit about, you know, when uh, Ron Howard's character is, you know, so c- kind of so taken with him and, you know, asking him about, you know, his life and, you know, what it's like being a, a shootist and all that. Mm-hmm. And him just saying the thing about you know it's it's not so much about being fast or even really good with your aim. The main thing is being willing. Like most most yeah. guys, you get in a situation like that, they're not willing to pull the trigger, and so they'll they'll be the ones who get shot. Which is which is definitely interesting.
0: Yeah, um, which is like in a way I feel like almost like should be the theme of most Westerns. And yet yeah. I don't, I've never heard it really explicitly stated like that before, you know? Right.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love cause, cause usually it's all about, I'm the fastest, I'm yeah. the fastest, you know, but it really has, no, there it has less to do with that in, in most uh, shooting competitions. So it's kind of yeah. cool that, it, that he's not, I, I, since we're keeping this positive, I'm going to say like, I like the fact that he's not, I'm the fastest there is. Yeah. And that's what he hangs his hat on. It's like that has nothing to do with it, really. It's just that he doesn't have any qualms about shooting somebody if he thinks they need to be shot. Right, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, in fact, what I don't, like I wrote down very early on in the movie, he states he has a credo. The character J.B. Books, John Bernard Books, is who John Wayne plays. And his credo is this. I won't be wronged. I won't be insulted. And I won't be laid a hand on. I don't do these things to other people. And I require the same from them never hurts to have an, an ethos right up sure. front and 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 clear words like that. Yeah. I don't know how much of it is true. I mean Right. <laughs> Craig, I very much liked the end. Uh I'm not going to completely skip ahead, but uh right. just in general, I thought it concluded nicely and in a way you that You mean the,
1: you're talking about the credits. I'm
0: talking about the credits. Right. I'm talking about the moments just before the credits. <laughs> But no, just the completing the arc of that character. Yeah. It felt satisfying to me. I I think there are other characters involved in that ending that were less of interest to me because they occupy such a small space in this movie Mm -hmm. that it maybe could have been slightly more intense just because Mm of maybe knowing a little bit more about them or seeing them a little bit more. But on the whole, I dug it. Yeah. Spoiler, it ends in a shootout. Right. What would you think of Jimmy Stewart?
1: I mean, I thought Jimmy Stewart was just fine. He doesn't really have a, a very showy part no that, that gets him anything. Like he's he's kind of a kind of a sad sack doctor. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't we, we don't get to see him in any any uh any other way but like feeling bad about having to like diagnose John Wayne with cancer. But I, I I will say like going in, I kind of expected it to feel like more of like uh oh well we have Jimmy Stewart for like an hour, let's shoot something with him. Yeah. And, it, and and instead, like it, it actually felt more like he he belonged in the movie. Yeah, there was a reason that he was who he was, and and I think he was cast well for that. And mm-hmm.
0: it was just interesting, like he plays yeah the doctor that gives him this news, and I, I like how they handled those scenes, and uh, kind of intriguing just because when John Wayne rolls into this town, he's immediately met with sneers, basically. Yeah, and so you're rolling into this guy where he's. Got a friend and it's the doctor in town and so uh you know it's just like yeah. makes him an interesting character i just double checked john wayne was almost a year older than jimmy stewart but man yeah. he did not look like it in this movie no it's crazy
1: Th- that was the thing i kept thinking about when i was watching the doctor scene because i was like man I, I i seem to remember jimmy stewart being on carson in like the 80s mm-hmm. and like the way he looks in this movie i was like he lived to the 80s <laughs> Yeah. I don't know he, he looked he looked real old I, I, I think they did age him somewhat
0: Oh, you think so okay I,
1: I I mean somewhat I mean he
0: was 60 yeah what did we say 68 69 yeah 68 John Wayne was 69 at the time yeah
1: yeah like he looks older than both of my parents and both of my parents are like almost 10 years older than yeah was,
0: it's crazy <laughs> I, mean, I don't know maybe yeah. that speaks more to like modern medicine or something yeah. <laughs> yeah, or the times totally. or what I also liked Ron Howard by the end of this movie I wasn't quite sure yeah up front. There's a lot of ma for a guy who looks, and I'll check how old he was at the time in a second. But <laughs>
1: Looks like he's in his 30s. We, he didn't look that old to me, but no. mid
0: 20s for sure, and playing a character right. who was uh, old enough to have a bit of independence. And so I definitely, I mean, I think that character was over the age of 18, I think. Right. Yeah. But you know, there's just some whininess to it. It was kind of yes. funny that he did get to do the narration, I think, of the opening.
1: Yeah. It's like Arrested Development.
0: I know, like, you just can't help but think of that now. His name was J.B. Books, and he had a matched pair of forty-fives with antique ivory grips that were something to behold.
1: But
0: he wasn't an outlaw. Fact is, for a while, he was a lawman. Long before I met Mr. Books, he was a famous man. I guess his fame was why somebody or other was always after me. But by the end of it, I think what you talked about a little bit with just him being smitten somewhat by when this famed outlaw was staying at his mother's house. There's not a ton there to say that they really developed a relationship, but mm-hmm. it was enough there that it, it felt like it sort of earned Ron Howard's appearance at the ending. There. Yeah. So, yeah, I liked him. Okay. For sure. Let's talk now. What did you like less, Craig? <laughs>
1: To me, there there was sort of a TV movie feel about it mm-hmm. that I didn't like. And, and I can't put my finger on it more than just maybe it's just like the sets or something. Here's my main thing you look at that poster, that awesome painted poster. Yeah. There's something about it that makes me feel like the movie should look a little more premium, I guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know how else to explain that. This is pretty much how a lot of movies in the 70s looked. So I don't know why I'm complaining about that. But. Th- but there was a feel to it that felt a little T V to me.
0: Just to piggyback on what you're saying, that was yeah. I think my chief complaint. And like at one point I wrote down I, I wish it felt a little bit more of the seventies to me. Sure. Obviously it's not taking place in the seventies, but you know, I went and looked and like McCabe and Mrs. Miller came out in nineteen seventy one. So it was five right. and that just is like
1: it feels like you're living in there. It, like,
0: well, that and it just feels like they're, they should. These two movies should be from completely different decades. Like they right. feel that way. And to yeah. know that McCabe Miss Miller was five years ahead of this, yeah, is kind of crazy. And especially even thinking too about Don Siegel and like being the guy that did Dirty Harry and stuff like that. I was kind of waiting for those moments, and I I think yeah. they're in there a little bit. I mean, there's mm-hmm. at least two people that get shot square in the forehead, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. We yeah, see yeah. it. I mean, there's like, plenty of blood. Yeah. It's yeah. all got red paint in it, right? It, right. <laughs> that's that's 70s era. blood, baby. Yeah. yeah. A little, yeah. little orange, a little on the orange side. But uh, <laughs> it's exactly what you're saying. There's other times where I'm kind of with you. Like, I can't quite put my finger on it, other than maybe it, it's a little more talkative than some of the other things, or the camera's a little more static from maybe other westerns of this era. Yeah. But I kind of walked away going, You know, part of that movie, and I'm not extremely familiar with the show, but I bet part of that movie feels a bit like an episode of Bonanza or something, you know?
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: I think, unfortunately, that also kind of trickled down to my, I didn't dislike it or hate it, but I was sort of indifferent to Lauren Bacall and her character. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, that that brings up probably my biggest complaint about the movie
0: Alright, well let's do that then, yeah
1: It's another one that's sort of like in a lonely place Where you have these two people together I, wh- Why does Lauren Bacall have feelings for him? You know, like, I don't know Yeah, I, I don't feel like I ever really get that moment that's like, yeah Like, I get it, you two Like, these are kind of little missing pieces And like, you guys are kind of ships in the night, you know Going to pass by a little bit it's not going to be like a forever thing, but there is a sense that it's like, oh, I wish he wasn't dying and he could live here forever or something. I don't know. It's like this love that's ignited out of nothing. It's, it, no. What bothers me, I think, is that it feels like the love is ignited because he's John Wayne and she's Lauren Bacall. Exactly. And that's it. Like there's nothing else that completes those characters. It's just they've been put in and they're both attractive.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, you're you're on the, on the money there. And to the point, extent where even within scenes themselves it it just felt like i'm still not sure where exactly on the compass she is towards this guy yeah and that can work i think but it just Mm -hmm. it it was a little confusing to me the setup with her character is that when john wayne rolls into town and gets the news that he's going to die he then looks for a place to stay and he's not going to travel because he knows i guess he doesn't want to go off and do that he spent plenty of time in the mountains Uh, alone with a horse and so he rents a room from lauren bacall who happens to be ron howard's mother and she's a widower there was another age thing that was kind of weird there was uh, a mention of the fact that her husband i think had been dead a year Mm -hmm. and that he died at 41 and like she does not look (laughs) like and i think she was in her 50s when they shot this so maybe there was just a big age difference between yeah husband and wife there but it usually went the other way like the wives were a lot younger Mm -hmm. when she learns who this guy is well she immediately doesn't like him i think in the first scene she says something about that fact because he claims to be a u.s marshal and he's unloading all his guns and he's bossing them around and uh i think she just comes right out and says that she doesn't really care for him later she finds out oh he's this guy that's killed 36 people tells him to leave (laughs) <laughs> yeah. That's all yeah. that's all tracking. It's T- all tracking.
1: 100%. 100%. Yeah.
0: This is a woman with morals right. who understands that I don't care if you're the famed outlaw or the fastest draw. That means you killed 36 people. I'm not cool with that, right? Right. Thankfully, yes, you need people like that in these movies. Right. But I'm with you. I don't know where the turn happens where she starts to really have feelings for him. They have their moments. They have some scenes together, which I think are really good. But... Mm-hmm yeah he's dying she knows that you're sympathetic to the person in that situation mm-hmm. later in the movie two guys try to kill john wayne in that house in the mm-hmm. middle of the night he blows them both away their blood splatters her bed basically yeah all her breaking fern- windows too you know she's continuously abdicated against the idea of murder throughout yeah. this movie mere moments after this happens Ron Howard is running in, oh, you should have seen it. He blew him away so quick. And she starts crying, crying because he's dying. John Wayne is dying. I'm like, wait a second.
1: Yeah, no. He
0: just killed two people. You've got other clients renting your room who are leaving. Right. Shortly after that, like they don't know how they're going to make rent and stuff. And Ron Howard's off like selling John Wayne's horse. And it was just like, but wait a second. That, that's not why she's crying in this scene. It's it's clear that she's crying because he's going to die. felt like a weather vane that was just blowing in the wind. I didn't know yeah. where to go with her. So that was a bit disappointing. I do think there's a, a better, specifically Bacall movies I could have picked. Uh, so right. I'll take that one. I'm sorry Lauren didn't do a better job of finding one just for you, but... <laughs> I do think that was my minor quibble with this movie. I'm just, yeah. you know, I wish I had a better sense of that character. And I think she could have chewed into a better character a bit more. Yeah. There is not like a standout scene with her, I don't think, is there?
1: No. Too bad. No, there's not. There's not. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. And uh, let me ask you this because I'm trying to kind of figure out am, am I just being uh, too much of a bleeding heart on this one aspect of the movie? But, like, the other thing that bothered me, it goes back to the thing about that I liked about, you know, it's not about being fast or even having great aim. It's about being willing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And there is that, I mean, this being a John Wayne movie, it's the mid-70s, there is that feeling throughout the movie that his toughness, his macho-ness, his ability to kill somebody. Like, him being willing to kill somebody is tough and masculine and macho, and that's good. Yeah. That's a good thing and a thing to aim for. Like you should it's be valued. able to kill somebody and that's a real man. And I get that. I mean, it's such a movie of its time and I mean that's that carried well into the 80s and 90s, no question about it, if not beyond. But there was a part of me that did want like a little bit of just like shit, I killed a lot of people. Like whether or not I thought they were good or bad, like I have ended lives and like that that has to have an effect on you unless unless you're a sociopath.
0: Well, especially when you're facing the end of your own life, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. And maybe, maybe there was stuff in there for that, I, but I honestly never saw that. And, and I guess that's, that's one thing that bothered me, and I was wondering if you felt the same way.
0: It comes out in dialogue in bits and pieces. I mean, you know, when he talks about, I mean, he, that speech he gave to Ron Howard about, you know, being willing, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. And he, there's more than once where I think he says he never shot a man who didn't deserve it. Right. Whether that's just your own self denial or what, it's in there, but I'm with you. I don't I don't see it having the kind of impact that really hinders him. Right. And I think that would have been interesting to see that coupled with the fact that physically he's also losing a step because the dude has cancer. Yeah. He's on borrowed time and he's still blowing dudes away, you know. Yeah. I feel like that would have been a nice little moment to see that you no know, you're really facing you're diminished. Like your yeah. your health was a temporary thing like it is for all of us and that's going away and now, now who who are you?
1: Right. Because that's I mean that's what this is about.
0: Like it's yeah. all there, you know. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I wonder so much about how just that goes to John Wayne and like not wanting like there's yeah, you're going to show him weak, but there's a line to, you don't want to cross. Right. You don't want to make him look too weak because that's not what the people want from John Wayne. But I don't know. In 1976, I feel like they they might have really embraced
1: that. They might have. Yeah. Well, I, I guess that's the thing. It's like he has no regrets. And I think maybe in a, in a slightly better movie, he does have regrets. And then he's carrying those regrets into that last shootout. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's that 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 feeling of, well, when I go to pull the trigger this time, am I going to have the drop on anybody? Yeah, that was one bit that that especially stuck out and bothered me.
0: Well, let's get back on the positive side. Good. Favorite moments or a favorite moment.
1: Just thinking about this, because I wish I'd said it earlier. One of my favorite moments is when Marshall Thibodeau comes to see him. Love Marshall Thibodeau. Yeah. Love Marshall Thibodeau. Harry Morgan walks in. You can tell he's nervous about being around <laughs> yeah. books, but he, you know, but he's not like he's not like totally corny. But then when he's told that that books has cancer, he's so happy, oh and my he says, God, "Yeah," he, and he's like, "Well, just don't take too long to die." Like he mm-hmm. he couldn't wait for that guy to die. And I mean that scene that scene right there is probably what made me really start loving the movie.
0: Yeah, it was a great yeah. scene. I mean, he literally goes woo. You know, he's like, yeah. And I think that scene ends with him saying, "Yeah, just don't take too long." And he's gonna do something to his grave that he won't say in polite company. Or something. I mean, right. like he literally implies that he's gonna piss or shit on this yeah. guy's grave when he's at yeah. to the man himself, right there in front of him when he's oh, got cancer can't stand him. and just yeah. told him that. Which. That I really would love to know if that's in the book. Yeah. Is there more of that stuff in the book? And like, right. that that's just sort of like, okay, you're sort of venturing into dark territory here. Like, we don't want to go quite that dark with it. And I'm like, no, I would love to see it go, like, go even darker. Yeah. You know?
1: Well, I mean, and th- that is a great balance to like Ron Howard's thing. Yep. You know, you have the people who love him and then you have, yeah, the older folks are just like, this guy's bad news. You know, that's good stuff.
0: I really enjoyed the scene that is, it's almost apropos of nothing. There is a car dealer named Pulford, I believe, <laughs> played by Hugh mm-hmm. O'Brien, who yeah. is a dealer of a game called Pharaoh that was played in the local saloon. And it felt like, you know, maybe first half of the movie or, or thereabouts, we get sort of a cutaway scene to the saloon. I don't remember any other character of note being in there, although maybe there could be. But there's a conversation between this dealer and another player that turns that player's smile upside down, and Mm -hmm. he leaves briefly and comes back with a gun and starts firing in the direction of the table. The dealer, Pulford, shoots him, kills him dead. The bartender, I think, runs over to the body and was like, that's got to be 80 feet clean through the heart, and the entire place (laughs) celebrates.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I was so excited. There's just a dead, bleeding body on the ground. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's almost like Coen Brothers ask like, if it were shot differently. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, Buster Scruggs style. But um, I really liked that scene. It took me a very long time to figure out, well, what in the hell was that doing in this movie? But it does kind of come into play. I still don't know. Did he have beef with uh, books? Or he was just considered like the other sort of like fastest, best shooter in town?
1: Yeah, I think it was just competition. Yep, yeah. simple
0: competition. That's why he's in a life or death situation at the end of the movie, I guess, yeah. just to prove he's a badass. Um, right. And uh, then there's Scatman Crothers, Craig.
1: Love Scatman Crothers.
0: What exactly did old Moses do? What was his job?
1: Yeah, well, th- that is that is a very interesting thing. I I mean, I, I, I assumed he was the guy who ran the stables.
0: Is that the livery? Is that what they
1: call that? Sure. The livery, that would make sense okay yeah i mean so he was a
0: big fan of books or the books legend oh my god yeah they were laughing so hard remember that scene where uh he and uh oh, yeah. ron howard are drinking whiskey and <laughs> i think he falls they on the really ground like it. laughing yeah about books yeah. being there
1: and then there's that whole scene where he buys the horse yeah and i mean i was i i, I certainly got it later like why that all happened to a to a degree but that was kind one of, scene there. yeah for a while, yeah, I was like, well, I don't I don't understand what we're doing. Yeah. I don't know. Is it a lengthy scene? Maybe I just thought about it for so long it seemed like a lengthy scene. I don't know
0: because it's in stages, I think. Because then are you talking about where he like haggles with Wayne? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because didn't Ron Howard sell the horse to uh Scatman
1: Yes. Without for $100. John, Yeah, without
0: John Wayne's knowledge. And so I guess John Wayne went back to say, Wait a second, you can't you can't just buy my horse for a hundred dollars. You gotta give me at least three right. hundred and then they negotiate to two ninety eight. Um and there's another one I wonder is he in the book and if he's in the book, is he this particular character because I mean scatman is scatman, like it's just like that's what you get when you when you cast him it's like, yeah you know yeah, you know what you're getting yeah I don't know he's playing a character per se, although yeah he's kind of a, a drunk, definitely would not have complained to have two or three or more scatman scenes in a different location so he could just get away from that one shot of uh there's like a horse's ass behind him, you know, and that's like a couple of saddles in this room. <laughs> What else should we talk about some of the people that come to John Wayne in his final hours here who try to take advantage of him? Yeah. That was pretty interesting to me, too. And yet, they almost felt like throwaways a little bit.
1: Yes, they did. Yeah, that's a good question. So you get a journalist who comes to him who wants to tell his story, but Wayne doesn't like how, what is it, sensationalist the The journalist wants to make it? Yeah, I think so. And actually, you know, this may sort of, or maybe this should have sort of mitigated my feelings in terms of like him killing people and having no problem with it and that being like a manly thing, because... He doesn't want to, uh, he doesn't, he kind of doesn't really want to talk about it.
0: And yet, you know, he strolls into this town like he owns the damn place. You know? Oh, so yeah, I for mean, sure. he's still that guy. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Like, in that scene, at least, he's completely turned off by the idea of doing a yeah. series about his life and what he's done and the sensationalism of it. Yeah, but I don't know. It was a bit hard to read. I did kind of like that character. It's like Sleazy Reporter. I was like, there's another one that's kind of interesting in this world that we don't see much of yeah and then the, the woman who was named sarepta which is a name i've never wow. ever yeah. run across in my life which no gets shortened to, it does
1: not roll off the tongue.
0: no it gets shortened no. to sarah
1: right was she a prostitute now that i couldn't tell okay or at least i don't remember i guess it would make sense but i wasn't thinking that i, I was thinking he was just a woman from books past okay who yeah was in league with the journalist but she was she was just in town cuz books is known in this town
0: everybody knows he's there now yeah yeah word got out i know that the woman yeah she basically comes to see him and like he's extremely happy to see her they've got some history together and then she starts talking about writing a book and she wants to get married so that she can be mrs books because she can be a co-author that'll help the book sell. And when he dies, they can just make up the rest. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that she's got some nerve here. I don't know. Like that's kind of a shitty thing to lay on somebody in their deathbed. I can't remember if it was implied that she was a prostitute. And for some reason I was thinking perhaps she was, maybe it's just because she's not the most moral character there. Yeah. Kind of liked that scene. I kind of liked the performance there. Cherie North is the the actress and yeah. uh, it was just another one of those where I was just like, well, damn, there's, a, okay, there's a story there. There's more to that, obviously. Yeah. We're just not quite getting it in this movie.
1: Well, yeah. I think what I like about that is it gives you what you're definitely not going to get or what you're not getting from him and Bond.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Like there's a very soft center to that scene at one point, mm-hmm. And then it, you know, it immediately goes away when you realize that she's just trying to take advantage of him. Yeah. But yeah, this is as close to, I think, a regret maybe as he has. It's like he could have had a life with this woman and he kind of wishes he had done that. And then she's like, oh, well, we can, you know, do that now. And so and, and that's 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 exactly it. Right. She wants to marry him so that she'll own him, essentially. Yeah. yeah when Yeah.
0: So I don't know. Yeah. It's just an interesting another interesting character that sort of is on the radar of this movie and yet not really kind of anywhere near the middle
1: <laughs> right.
0: center of it. Uh, well, let's talk about the ending then. You know, all this is kind of building to JB Books being faced with a decision and being told by Jimmy Stewart, if not by someone else, uh, well, the Marshall Thibodeau, that maybe waiting it out is not the best way for him to go. Right. Not only will there be excruciating pain involved, he's already tried to say, the tough man that he is, that. He will not be a hindrance to Lauren Bacall at all, which you know is just not going to be the case as he withers away. But then there's also the marshal is just like, you know, you would really save us a lot of effort if you would just take care of this. Right. I don't quite remember if it's the guys that try to kill him that night or what it is that that pushes him to make his final decision. Do you have a good pulse on that?
1: I'm kind of in the same boat, but for some reason I thought it was a conversation with... Uh, Ron Howard.
0: Okay, well, I was wondering about that because he does take him out shooting and yeah. uh, it there's sort of that passing the torch kind of thing or like you've got to yeah. be a man to your mother. I'm sure you're right that there's at least something in that in those moments that that lead to it I don't I don't remember the exact thing if there was an exact thing. But anyway, he basically tells Ron Howard to call on these, I guess it's three guys, right? Yep. These three the other guys that we've seen briefly. One of them was the uh, car dealer. Another guy is uh, a guy who was the brother of one of JB's victims. The other guy, I don't remember, like he owned a creamery. <laughs> <laughs> and Ron Howard occasionally did some deliveries with him. What was his beef with JB? Do you remember did he kill somebody else in his?
1: No, I I think the beef with with his beef with JB was was just that that first uh, interaction in town.
0: Yeah, he just didn't get out of his way. <laughs>
1: yeah, because because Mike Sweeney wanted revenge for his brother getting shot. Yeah, that's Richard Boone. But yeah, yeah, but Cobb was just ornery.
0: Well, they all take him up on his invitation, <laughs> and oh, yeah. uh, they meet at the saloon, the empty saloon. Basically, right after the time of church, Ron Howard's been told to go to church with his mother. You're setting the stage where JB walks in and walks kind of towards the bar, and it's it's basically going to be a matter of who blinks first. Right. It doesn't really matter who blinks first because uh, they all take some bullets, everybody that's in there.
1: <laughs> they do.
0: Wayne definitely gets his, his share of, of adding to his numbers of kills there. I know Cobb gets it, and uh, the Sweeney mm. character definitely does. I liked that he tried to use a table as a shield, which right, <laughs> even to me, I was like, I don't think that's the best idea in the world as you're walking <laughs> towards this guy shooting at you. It did not work very well. Right. JB ends up on the floor behind the bar, and the Pulford character is making his way around, and he's another one that takes it right in the forehead. But then what JB didn't count on was basically the guy who I think is either the bartender or the saloon owner turning on him with a shotgun. Yeah. I guess. And was he off screen that whole time? I'm trying to remember like how they staged it exactly. But it is a surprise when it happens.
1: Yeah. I I, I seem to remember Wayne saying something like saying something to sort of invite him to step away or or the guy just knew what was going on. Yeah.
0: He definitely knew what was going on. Yeah. And then sure as shit, Ron Howard comes in. With Wayne's pistol and takes down the bartender. Yeah. With serious transitioning from boy to man, there for sure. I mean, he's pretty (laughs) ruthless in that moment, which I've never seen Ron Howard like that. No. And maybe that's how he got his Golden Globe nomination. I don't know. I just kind of enjoyed the spectacle of it, I think. You know, it makes absolute sense for Wayne's character to go out in a blaze of glory. Right. Although I do think the alternative would have been interesting too, <laughs> even if he just like rode off in the sunset or literally died sure. in a bed. They just came in the room one morning. He was dead like that, that, you know, there's interesting versions of that, but that's not this movie and that's not really John Wayne. Right. That's right. So yeah. How did that, how did that all work for you?
1: I mean, that, by that time it worked great. I mean, that was, that did not involve his relationship with Bond. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to worry about that. Nope. And, yeah, I mean, it's this guy who does not want to die a horribly painful death. You know, he wants to go out doing something that he feels is useful. Something that he loves. Yeah. (laughs) Died as he lived, just killing dudes. Although, like, a little bit of it is muddy to me because it kind of feels like, why shoot Pulford? I mean, I understand it's because in the moment, Pulford shoots at him. Yeah, yeah. And so it's kind of self-defense. But at the same time, it's like you, you set this up. Like the guy wanted to shoot you, but does that mean he deserves to be shot?
0: I don't even know why like, he's there. I mean, honestly, like I yeah. would just, yeah, no, thank you. I'm not going to go do that. Like that's, I well, appreciate the you-
1: <laughs> Outside of ego. Well, actually, no, two things. Ego or, because this is the other thing I kept thinking about when he w- went in there. I'm like, okay, you got these three guys there you're going to have a shootout with. You want to die because you have cancer. You want to die a painful death. So what happens if you go in and plug all these guys and you walk out and you're fine? Yeah. Are you just going to keep setting up shootouts?
0: All right. Get the next three best guys in town. Right. Yeah. Oh, shit. right. Okay. There's got to be somebody that can do this, right?
1: And I'm just going to say this right now on the air, Sean. I think I think there might be a movie in that.
0: There could be. Yeah. That could be Comedic pretty funny. Yeah. A movie yeah,
1: of a shootist trying to die and he's too good. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I'm thinking maybe he's there as like, well, somebody's going to hit me one way or another. Because because he knows he's John Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's gonna go down pretty hard. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that was that was kind of the thing walking in. But but yeah, I mean as far as the tension and the the emotion of that moment, I totally get it, and, and I thought it was played out pretty well. I mean, it's uh, I'm assuming it was Don Siegel on the set that day. I would imagine so. Yeah. He enjoys his shootouts. That was kind of a kind of a welcome ending. Outside of the fact that yeah. The the ending ending of Ron Howard walking through the town kind of made it feel like, ah, see, now I'm a man. I'm willing to kill people. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, all right.
0: I'll say this, like that scene is likely to be what I will remember about this movie. I think that yes. and those and probably the scene with Jimmy Stewart. Mm-hmm. Because that is the setup to the movie and then the, your resolution here. And, and, you know, especially just because of, <laughs> of who it is, you know, Ron Howard and, sure. and John Wayne, they're dying. It's a pretty easy thing to recommend to somebody. Like if you can imagine what it's like to see Ron Howard, you know, standing over the body of John Wayne and killing someone. Yeah. If that's ever entered your imagination as something that you ought to see, you should watch The Shootist. Everything else that gets you to that point, yeah, okay, there's some stuff that maybe is less exciting, but I think you'll remember that scene after you see it, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, it's a cool one. I wrote down a couple things of dialogue that I liked. I do think this movie is peppered throughout with some pretty excellent lines that I assume are vernacular to the time period, although I don't know. I mean, one of which was... uh Well, that wouldn't buy you any bacon, which...
1: Ah, yeah. (laughs) I
0: don't know how much bacon cost back then, but that was a good one. Uh, There was another time where a character was said to be full of sheep dip, which I liked quite a bit. Sheep dip. We didn't mention, but when that reporter was there the first time, John Wayne ended that scene and that conversation by sticking his pistol in that reporter's mouth and telling him to make like this is a nipple
1: it doesn't it doesn't come off so tough really saying say the word nipple
0: this one sure don't fit your pistol oh. still don't know exactly what that means How? <laughs> but i think he said that to the guy in the opening as he was coming into town the guy that tried to rob him who john wayne called a boob which i absolutely loved like there's nobody on the planet that i think they could call somebody a boob and make it sound as as enjoyable of an insult as john wayne <laughs>
1: Well, hey, man, boobs and nipples, you know, when when it's John Wayne.
0: Now, and here's a line I wanted to ask you about. When John Wayne comes to rent the room, he's checking it out and everything, he asks Lauren Bacall this. Bed isn't ticky, is it? She got oh, really yeah. offended. I don't know what that means.
1: Is that bugs or is that, like, broken?
0: It could be bugs. I didn't think about that. But he sort of, like, gave it a little spring, you know, a little up and down on it? Yeah. I was like, was he implying that this thing has been used as like a, a brothel or something or or, oh, or what, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah, that, that would be offensive to her, yeah.
0: Don't call your beds ticky so that you'll you'll offend someone in 1905. I had no clue. That's kind of all I got on this movie, man. I um, It wasn't quite what I expected and, and it was at the same time, if that makes sense. Yes. I would recommend it. How about you?
1: I would definitely recommend it, uh, especially to anybody who likes Westerns in general. i don't don't think it's really a movie you can ignore if you're like going through westerns from the 30s up until here and you know you're gonna see a lot of john wayne if you do that yeah like it's definitely a a kind of a big capper for that and like yeah absolutely if you like unforgiven you know this is kind of a precursor to unforgiven in a way Mm -hmm. and i think it's a good movie to watch
0: yeah and and also i mean unlike McCabe and Mrs. Miller, maybe quite a few of the movies, even the Westerns that were made around this time, it's only an hour and 40 minutes. Like it never, I don't know, I was never bored. I didn't feel like the pace really no. lulled too much in this movie. So it's a pretty easy one to kind of get into and, and get out. And we didn't actually talk about, they do use clips from other John Wayne movies in yes. the opening of this through that narration that's just kind of describe the legacy of this guy. I wonder about the, the rights situation of that and how easy it is to to get those clips and put yeah. them in somebody else's movie i don't know yeah craig that's all i got on the shoot it is on amazon prime if we didn't say already go check it out and uh listen that tee up if you didn't yet i think you'll enjoy it as a companion to this flick if you've seen it let us know any last words sir
1: um hmm uh
0: can i add one little thing you may. I looked it up. Ron Howard was about 21, 22 when he made this movie.
1: Oh. Yep. He's the one person in the movie who looks like his actual <laughs> age. <laughs> there
0: you go. <laughs> Him as Catman. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, Scatman Crothers, he's like 12. <laughs> I don't know. That, that that dude looks like he's You're doing right, great. Yeah. Uh, last word, Sean. My feeling is, uh, despite the the message of this movie, it's better to be a lovest than a shootist. Ooh. That's where I stand. All right, y'all. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.